ora everyone. Hey, a huge welcome. Um, there's lots of faces that I, are new to me, so it's so great to have you here. If I don't already know you, my name's Anna, and um, it's such a privilege to speak tonight, and it's such a privilege to come to church and to this this to be our community. I know I've said it before, but literally every time it's communion and everyone walks up, I'm just like, uh, I love that person, I love that person. And I get so distracted because I just love everyone here so much. So welcome, if you're new, welcome to a community that really, really loves each other and loves spending time together. Um, we are in a series um, in James. That's a book in the Bible near the end of the New Testament where James is the half-brother of Jesus. And this is one of like the first books that was written in the New Testament. And it's really um, like, I read somewhere this week, it's like a Old Testament kind of style, like dressed up in New Testament clothes. Like it's really teaches how to pursue holiness and it gives really direct instructions and in what to do. Like it doesn't, like cut any corners or do any tricks. Like it's really much, really much, that doesn't really make sense. It's very much straight up the guts. And at the moment, we're in this little kind of sub-series. This is the second to last week of James. And in this little sub-series, it's all about this kingdom that's coming. It's all about looking forward at this kingdom that's coming and letting that kind of shape the way that we live here now. So I think it was two weeks ago, Matt Swank shared about how in light of this kingdom to come, that changes the decisions we make here. He talked about having a kingdom perspective and a kingdom agenda and how we think that we're in control of our lives and then suddenly something happens and we realize actually God is just all over everything and we need to have perspective of the kingdom to come rather than here on earth. Then last week, Matt Rowan shared about um, money and how we need to make financial decisions based on this kingdom to come rather than focusing on the here and now. That, that doesn't really count for much, but focusing on the kingdom to come. And when I'm talking about this kingdom to come, I'm talking about that, or James is talking about, a place where anyone who believes in Jesus is gonna spend eternity in. So this place that's like God's house that lasts forever, for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. And it's where followers of Jesus will spend their, their life. And it's, um, that's what this is all about. And these three kind of weeks, the two weeks that have already been in this week, is focused all around that. So let's jump into it. So tonight, the topic that if you want to call a topic was what happens when things go wrong? How do we deal with the now? How do we deal with the pain and suffering that exists in this world with this perspective of a kingdom to come? So flip to James chapter five, and we're gonna start at verse seven and read down to verse 12. So, be patient, therefore brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord as it is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. 
Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Awesome, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that your word um, teaches to pain and teaches to suffering. And Lord, I pray that um, anyone who's in this room tonight who's immediately thinking, oh man, like this is exactly what I'm in at the moment. Lord, will you speak to that person? Will you speak um, either through my words or just through your Holy Spirit to them, Lord? Um, Will they know your peace? And Lord, will we be able to understand your heart for us as we go through this, your heart for each and every one of us as we are here awaiting this kingdom to come. Lord, will you speak to us tonight? Amen. So pretty much from those verses, oh, the plan for tonight is I'm gonna share a bit about the passage and then my dear friend, Rudy, he's gonna jump up and he's gonna share a bit about his story, which is gonna be awesome. I love hearing from different people in the community. And then we'll kind of see where we go from there with like a response or something like that. So that's kind of the plan. So with this this passage, there's kind of three bits that I could, that I kind of, you can chunk into straight away. It's look forward, there's something to come look back to help us gain perspective. And right now, don't get all grumbled, like just stay relaxed. And with look forward, it starts off with in verse seven, it says, be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Don't you find that whenever you're told to be patient, you're just so not patient, especially when you know there's something coming. So here he's saying, be patient, there's something coming. And I was thinking, man, I know that all too well with flat dinners. Who has flat dinners? Who's part of a flat where they all rotate cooking? That is just the best time of life. Don't hold on to that. But I was thinking, man, I was the worst flatmate. I would get home and as soon as I'd walk through the door, my brain would just be like, I'm ready for food. And I would just like go to the kitchen and be like, hey, so uh, we're having dinner tonight? And they're like, yep, cool, I'm making it. And you're like, oh, cool. Um, how long do you think it will be? And as soon as they've said there's gonna be a dinner, you're like, I'm starving. If they said, oh no, we're not having dinner tonight, I didn't make you any, you would probably actually be fine. I'd just be like, oh, okay, and tell my stomach to stop grumbling. But instead, I'm that flatmate that's like, do you want me to cook the rice? Do you want me to cut the veggies? What can I do? Warm the plates. And they're like, will you go away? And it's interesting how when we're told something's coming, we, cannot, we can lose our patience. We lo- but if we don't know what's coming, then sometimes we just ride it out and we don't get too agitated. And this thing that's coming, this thing that's coming is the coming of the Lord. So James is saying, be patient. There's something coming. And the thing that's coming is really, really good. So, you're, so just wait and endure it. And when he means this coming of the Lord, he means that right here on earth, what's happening 
that's not gonna last forever. This time that we're here on earth, the things that we, um, the things that are painful, the suffering that happens, the also the, um, just the day-to-day things of this earth, this doesn't last forever. And he's saying, be patient. All of that changes when, when we're in heaven and when we're in this next kingdom, when, until the coming of the Lord, when we're all, um, when there's this kingdom of Jesus where none of that exists. So if you think in the light of suffering, those things that are painful, those things that hurt, we're told in the Word of God, we're told in the Bible that this, until the, the coming of the Lord changes it all. It's totally different. It says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. He's talking about this kingdom to come. Then in Revelation 21, four, he says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. He's saying, be patient and look at what is to come. He's saying, look forward to something which is coming, which is gonna blow your mind. This suffering is just for now. It won't last for you forever. Keep your eyes on fixed on what's to come. And then he says, look back. He says, as an example of, this is in verse 10, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He then goes on to say, there's people that have done this. There's people who we can follow in their footsteps. There's people who we can look to and be encouraged. And you'll see as you read through the word, like so many people had rough times. So many people endured suffering. So many people um, endured, endured persecution for being a Christian. So many people endured sickness. There's all of these different things that happened. And James is saying, look back at these people you have the privilege of seeing um, seeing what happened, that there was an end to it, that they're still not there suffering. There's an end to it, and they, they're with the Lord. I heard um, Francis Chan on a little video speak about how he kind of overwhelmed me with this idea of how long eternity is, that eternity is thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands, like so many years long. And this time on earth, this time that all of those prophets suffered is like a blink compared to the eternity that they get to spend with Jesus. And as I was thinking about what Francis Chan had said about that, that was a while ago, I was like, man, the maths in me wants to find like a graph to explain that. I did I did a maths degree at uni and you would never guess it. I was so bad at it and I have never used it, so I don't recommend, but it was pretty cool. <laughs> So I was trying to find this graph for eternity. And this is the only thing that I came out up with. Live for the line, not for the dot. How good's that, right? You can't really say that without an American accent. Um, but this idea that your life, 
is that dot and eternity just like goes forever. And we can look at these prophets' lives. We can look back at them and say, man, that's what they had in mind. That's how they could endure that because they were living for the line and not for the dot. I heard, I read a quote from a preacher who um, is called Charles Spurgeon and he's from the 1800s, so he's from a long time ago. And he said this, took me ages to like, get my head around this, so I'll say it slowly. If a person were to attack me with a knife, I would resist him with all my strength and count it a tragedy if they succeeded. Yet if a surgeon comes to me with a knife, I welcome both him and the knife. Let him cut me open, even wider than the knife attacker, because I know his purpose is good and necessary. The prophets, us, we know the end that's intended. We know that there is a coming of the Lord. We know that there's a kingdom to come. So we don't, we, we have a different way of looking at it. We can look at it with the end in mind. Just like it was worth it for all of those prophets, I bet if we could ask any of them, it's the same worth it for us. Then the third bit of, in the middle kind of of the passage, it says, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. We can look forward, we can look at what's coming, eternity. We can look back at these prophets who endured it. And then, but what do we do now? Because it's great looking both ways and saying, well, that's great, but that still means that it's really hard, right? That still means that you're um, like, a, you're, you're still feeling that pain. You're still feeling, um, you can't just shake it off and to say to someone when they're suffering, like be a bit more like Job, eh? Like, come on. That's not how it works. But what Jesus does say, as he says, or James does say, is don't grumble against one another. Stay the same. This is something that in that one another's, when things are going wrong, don't let that turn into a grumbling with each other. Instead, come underneath each other and help and support and point each other to the Lord. That's his character, right? He's not saying um, you have a, like free pass to be irritable or you have a free pass to have a low tolerance for other people when things are going wrong. He's saying, no, it's okay. Come together one another and don't, don't grumble. That's just a total waste of time. And I think that in all of this, we can think, man, this is like great theoretically. I can look forward to eternity. I can look back at what others have done, but it's, I'm still kind of stuck. I don't really know what to do. I don't know how this comes into my life. I don't know how to actually practice this out. And as I was thinking about it in my own life, I was thinking, man, in all of these times where I've felt pain, um, not only have I been able to hear what to do, but God's totally met me in that pain. And I think it's no mistake that in this year, or last week actually, I was talking to my friend Rudy and he was telling me about his year. And as I was kind of thinking about this passage and preparing for it, I thought, man, God has just totally taken the what he's told us in this message, in this passage, what he's told us. And he's like gone, he shows us that he goes so much further than that and meets us in it. So we have such a privilege tonight that Rudy is gonna jump up
and he is gonna share about his um, year this year. And as he's sharing, I encourage you to really lean into when he talks about what he's learned from it, because that's what we can all go with. And I think there's real power in him testifying what's, what his years looked like, but then actually what he's learned from it. Cool? Can we give a big clap for Rudy? I'm just too nervous. Uh, yeah, my name is Rudy. Uh, yeah, just as uh, just a short testimony of uh, mine from uh, from the beginning of this year uh, for the past few months. Uh, it's been a rough ride, uh, but God's always been there helping me out. So uh, my testimony's got four parts. Uh, the first one is the problem. Second one is the present day. Third one is the course. And uh, the last one is God's work. So the problem was this. Uh, on the 31st of January this year, my, I lost my dad. And I couldn't go back to India uh, because of travel restrictions. And uh, honestly, I never saw that coming at all. Uh, it broke me down. It broke me down so bad. Uh, yeah. It was so crucial. It was a crucial time for me because uh, my visa was uh, getting expired in a month as well. And uh, I lost my dad. My visa was getting expired in a month. And uh, I was uh, running short of time to get all my documents sorted for my visa in the process of grieving for my dad's death. And uh, it was so crucial that I was trying to process my dad's death. I was actually in the process of grieving. And uh, I was not ready to get back to work immediately. And uh, I had to go back to work after a week, and every day I was at home, I was actually losing a day for me to get my visa documents sorted out. Because the visa that I was applying for is an employer-assisted visa, and uh, I had to get documents from my employer to submit to the Immigration of New Zealand. And uh, yeah, uh, by the time I managed to get all the, I mean, I went back to work after a week and then uh, I managed to get all the documents sorted. And by the time I applied for my visa, it was just, I mean, uh, it was just two days left of my visa to expire and I got my documents sorted out. And just before the day of expiry, I applied for my visa. So I was home for six weeks with an interim visa. Uh, that didn't give me any right to work in New Zealand. So basically all my savings that I had was getting exhausted and I was not working, I was just home and I was trying to process my dad's death. So this is the problem. In the present day, uh, I am so grateful and uh, thankful to God that I got my visa granted on the 3rd of May for three more years, praise the Lord. Yeah. <clears throat> but I'm still uh, trying to process my dad's death uh, trying to go through the process of grief. I'm just trying it because uh, it's just too scary. I'm just too scared. I don't want to. I don't want to go through it. I'm just too scared to go through it. But God helped me cross one of the hurdles, and uh, that's the present day. The course, what I went through, is this. So the six weeks I was home was not an easy task. 
And uh, every day I was just getting more and more anxious. I got nothing to do and I have applied for something. I don't know what's gonna be the result. And I was just getting more anxious and I was just, I don't know what to do. Uh, my thoughts, I don't know, I, I don't know if you can relate to this. My thoughts were just all over the place. It was just like a nuclear chain reaction, just kept going, 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 and then it just kept going. Just took me to worst possible scenarios that can happen, and it made me even more scared. It made me even more anxious. So the hardest part that I faced was when people asked me how I was doing, I just put a smiling face on and said everything is good. But deep inside, it was just so hurting. I just wanted to kneel down and say, nah, nothing is going good. Please help me. <clears throat> it was so hard. And to add more spice to the situation, what happened was my visa application had some complications. So my, uh, since it's an employer-assisted visa, my employer has to give me documents saying they failed to hire any, they failed to find any new, uh, permanent uh, resident or a citizen for the job, but just me. So uh, my, the immigration case officer came back to me and uh, said uh, she didn't find the documents valid and uh, I had to get back to my employer. It was actually a hard process to go through, a uh, hard time to go through. Uh, I was just standing back and forth to my employer trying to get the documents sorted because the employers, they don't know the seriousness of this. And uh, yeah, but they, they did what they can do. And uh, it, was, it was just, I was just being so impatient, I was just so anxious. And there've been times I've been just kneel, kneeling down and pray, praying and yeah. <clears throat> so I managed to get my uh, documents sorted from my uh, employer, yeah, submitted to the immigration New Zealand just before the deadline, just a day before the deadline. And uh, in a week's time, my immigration case officer comes back to me and says, uh, this doesn't seem legit. I want something that's legit, that your employer really tried hiring New Zealand people. And uh, I don't know what to do. And I had to get, get back to my employer again, go back and forth, and they didn't know the seriousness of it. And I just had to be patient enough to just get my documents as soon as possible. And just again, just the day before the deadline, I got my visa documents and I sent it to the immigration New Zealand, and I sent it. What I sent whatever that was asked for. My anxious, my anxiety level was way off the gauge. It was, it was everywhere. So this is uh, the course. This is the problem that I was in, and uh, yeah, and now God's work. So uh, just a, a small uh, background of me. Uh, I was a born Hindu, and I moved to New Zealand in 2016. And uh, it's just me in New Zealand. My family members are in India. It's just me who's saved. And I got baptized in uh, 2016 July in New Zealand, Auckland. And uh, honestly, I thought Christians would have it all sorted. Uh, everything would be given to them in a plate. It was so e life would be so easy. But it wasn't an easy ride for me. It wasn't a smooth ride. And slowly, I was starting to listen to everyone around me saying the same thing. And I was like, whoa. All right, back to the topic. And uh, four days before I got my visa approved, uh, it was a night and I was in my bed. It was so, I was like, 
lying down and it was so suffocating. This feeling of anxiety was just so suffocating. I don't know if anyone, I don't know if anyone could relate to this, but there's a heavy feeling in the throat that you have that you want to break out. You feel like you're trapped inside a box. You just want to break out of the box and then just get out of this. I don't, I don't want to be contained in this small feeling, which you cannot even see. It doesn't even have a physical form, but it's just there and you can feel it. My thoughts were just going crazy. It was, as it was around uh, one o'clock in the night, and this feeling in my throat, the heavy feeling in my throat, just made me cry so bad. Like I just wanted to cry, like cry and cry. I was crying so bad. I was just crying, and then I was just crying to myself, and I was saying, "Is God even real? Is He even real? Why is He being so unfair?" I started to compare myself to other people who has their visas sorted, who are even non-Christians. I was getting so frustrated with God that I couldn't go back to India to send my dad home. I was, I was not there to send my dad home. I feel like I was drowning, I feel like I was drowning and I feel like I needed to breathe, I needed to come up from the water to breathe. In that particular moment, I mean, it was around 1.30 uh, to 1.45 in the night. I just shook this feeling off my shoulder. I just literally shook the feeling off, sat down in my bed, took my phone, opened my Bible app, and I started to read uh, the book of Job. All 42 chapters in one go, I was so desperate for a, for a, for a cure or for an for escape route. I just read all 42 chapters in one go. So I read everything uh, that happened until chapter 37. Just uh, if you didn't know Book of Job, uh, what happens, just a short, long story short, uh, Job is this dude uh, who uh, is really faithful and loyal to God and uh, Satan and God has a, a meeting and Satan says, uh, this guy has everything. So if I hurt him, he's gonna curse you. And then God says, nah, you cannot take his life, but try him. So Satan takes everything from him, his uh, children, his wealth and everything that he has and he even uh, will get disease on his body. So that is no, I mean, that is no way compared, uh, I cannot compare myself with him, the suffering that he's gone through. So that's what happens and then uh, Job has few friends who talks to Job about the situation, about God, what's God planning and stuff and then Job would still be crying and asking God for answers. That's natural, anyone who's going through a problem would be like, God, why do you do this? God, why do you do this? Why, why? And uh, I was thinking to myself, uh, I felt like, yeah, exactly. Why is God just so unjust? Like, why does he have to do this? Uh, he might as well take his life rather than let him suffer, right? And I was seeing myself in Job's shoes. It's totally relatable. And then I turned to chapter 38, and that's where God comes and answers Job. I read a uh, easy-to-read version in, on the Bible because it's easy to understand. Uh, yeah. It starts like this uh, in the easy to read version Bible. Uh, it goes like this, Job chapter 38. Then the Lord spoke to Job from a whirlwind and said, who is this ignorant person saying these foolish things? Prepare yourself for an attack. Get ready to answer the questions I will ask you. Where were you when I made the earth? If you are so smart, answer me. This is just the first four verses and it goes on like that. God is actually talking all these verses is what God is talking. And I slowly, when I started to read this verse, read these verses from uh, chapter 38, I just felt like 
I was getting freed up. Uh, the feeling that I had boxed inside, I was just getting, I felt like I was getting fresh air. I was, I was feeling like I was breathing. I was able to breathe properly. So after finishing this whole book, I felt like, I felt the raw, direct, straightforward nature of God. And then I realized, man, he did so many things. He created basically everything, everything that's there in this planet, outside of this planet or whatever you call it, everything that's there right now is what he created. And I, me here, being here, I'm going and demanding for answers to someone like that. It's, it's, just, it's just so funny to even think about something like that. I, I'm going to someone who's like, who's done mass great things. Like I cannot even understand what he's, what he's done. I'm going and demanding for answers from him is what I felt funny about myself. I felt so silly about myself. And all my problems doesn't even have a physical form. And I'm just too worried about something that's in here. Like, it doesn't even have a physical form. I couldn't even see my problem right in front of me, but I'm still worried about it. And I had few realizations at the time. The, uh, they were this, you know, these few realizations. God is not obligated to answer us. God is not ob obligated to answer us. He doesn't have to answer us. Our human minds can never comprehend his work. No matter what he does, we will never comprehend his work. He is constantly working for our betterment. Our problems in life are actually not how they appear to be. And there is always light at the end of the tunnel. God's plan for us is not to hurt us, but to shape us into a better being so we can have a prosperous future. Jeremiah 29, 11. God brought us this far, not to abandon us, but to complete the work he had begun in us. That's Philippians 1, 6. I honestly could see the change in me if it was me a few years ago and if life was just knocking me out left, right, and center, I would have honestly tapped out and given up easy. But I'm not saying I have everything sorted now. I'm not saying God's given me everything right now. God's given me $1 million, so I, my life is sorted. Nah, it's not that. I honestly don't know if I'm going to have any more problems in future. I honestly don't know what's ahead of me in life. But this hope I have in Jesus, this hope, like little hope, that God's got my back. I mean, this may sound cliche, but it's the truth. God's got my back. And uh, the next time when I go through some problems, problem, not some, like next time I go through problems in life, I, this, is, this is my prayer. I just want to be the same, be patient, and I just need the wisdom to be the same when life is smooth, when life is hard, and have the wisdom to go through hardships. And uh, yeah, I'm just thankful to a few them in my life at this time especially this crucial time my life group people who's been there as a family for me uh, I, I don't know I don't know there's no words to thank, thank them honestly uh, every 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 single person in my life group uh, been an inspiration uh, made me shed tears made me made me lean lean on their shoulders when in need and my mate Dwara uh, uh, he's been there through all my life for their prayers and support 
and they all were like a family to me even though i don't have my family here but they were like a family to me the best thing is god orchestrated all this so well that i am placed in this church 2 years ago i come to this church and i am placed in this life group i got all these people around me who's going to support me god has been strengthening them for them to be a strength for me and i have all these people that's me god be the glory it's so encouraging to hear a story from someone right of of god doing what he says he's going to do and i think um why I'm so why I'm so wrapped that Rudy um, shared that with us all is that he he's hearing that God does this is so encouraging and we can take his learnings um, into our own situations um, we can take them into whatever it is that we're going through right now that's why we gather as the church right um, so that we can see God work in each other's lives so that we can see the miracles that God performs we can see them like front seat and see that that's the way that God that God acts that's what he does and I bet that Rudy's life group I bet that they would probably all say it's been such a privilege to journey with Rudy through this because they've got to see God move like this And I was just thinking tonight, um, whatever you're going through, like even if you wouldn't consider it suffering, if you just consider it kind of pain or um, just a situation that you feel like you have no control over, know that the Lord promises he'll be with you. Tom said something profound on the way here. He said, in our suffering and in our hard times, God doesn't promise to resolve a hard circumstance. He doesn't promise that. But he does promise his presence with us in a hard circumstance. That's something we can rely on. In Psalm 23, it says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil because I know you are with me. I was thinking as we were singing before, before earlier tonight, I was thinking, man, all of these all of these lyrics, there was just for a while, there was just, I know the song was called Promises, but before that, the song in that too, it was just like promise after promise after promise of us testifying, of us singing out who God is and what He does. And I was thinking, what God tells us He's gonna be like is absolutely unchangeable. Like He, he's the, he doesn't flip flop and one day act in one way and then the next day do something totally different. He's totally consistent and um, he said he's going to be with us in the good times and in the hard times and I think that it comes for, for us it comes we need to come to a place of humility where we're ready where we are willing to hear um, to have God meet us and to hear what he has to say I think about Rudy in the night he brought a humility to hearing all those things that God wanted to teach him and I thought tonight is our response. Um, if you just wanna come before the Lord, if you wanna, in your seat, if you wanna come down the front and um, you wanna come before the Lord and actively put yourself in a posture of humility of, Lord, I'm really struggling with this, but I need you to meet me. There's gonna be time for that. 
I was also thinking, um, maybe if the worship team wants to come up. Um, I was also thinking, wherever you are in the room, sharing stories about what God's done when things have been hard are extremely encouraging to go forward. So I was thinking, as you're, as you're worshiping, as you're spending time with God, think back, maybe write down some stuff of when have there been hard times and I've learned something profound about God, about the way that He loves me, about the way that He meets me. And as you think of that, like write it down, like write it on your phone and start sharing that with people. Share it with your life group this week. Share it with the people that you came with. And those things that we learn are things that can 100% help carry us through when we're finding times hard. If you're also just finding time finding it hard at the moment, whatever you're going through, and you just need people to gather around you and pray that you um, you will feel the Lord's peace. You can do that too. Just come down to the front as well for that. But yeah, can I pray? Lord, when we're when I'm in pain, Lord, I love um, coming to your presence. Lord, I know that it's safe. Lord, I know that you promise that you'll um, you'll be there. Lord, I pray for every person in this room who's um, just feeling like what they're going through, they can't get out of. They feel suffocated by it. They feel stuck in it. They can't like throw it off the way that Rudy described. Lord, I pray that they can do that tonight. Lord, I pray that your presence is like just a magnet that just draws them out of that so they can shake off whatever's going on, Lord, and they can sit in your presence and they can know that you're with them in it. And Lord, I pray that, um, I thank you for this perspective that you give us of eternity and how good it's gonna be. And Lord, um, Will you just give us more of a glimpse of what that will look like? 